Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. So I sent both of them my Seinfeld script I'd written at the time. And the guy from Dinosaur <laughs> said, call me on this particular day. And I was driving across country with my buddy on my way to Los Angeles. We were in Waco, <laughs> no, we had Waco, Texas, I think okay. we were in. And, or Shamrock, Texas, even worse. And I called the guy, and he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I read your script. Uh, I don't think you got it. And I said, what? Yeah. <laughs> he said, I, I wouldn't come out here. And I said, I'm in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Little late. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. We have a musical chairs show today. We have things that we don't usually have. We got Nigel and Chris Saliza with us here oh, yeah. at Uncle Benny's table. And Michael is in South Carolina at Chan and Moni's house. So we wanted to put Michael on for, first of all, to talk about I now know a few people who went to the Masters. Finn and his wife and his son went yesterday. Colin and Tom St. Maxons went during the week. And my son went on Friday. Tell the people how you got there, what you had to do to get there. Well, let's rewind for just one second. As soon as I found out last okay. night that one Chris Elizabeth was going to be taking my seat, I was looking mm -hmm. for the ball like a natural lever, putting on my cherry blossoms jersey, and I was coming in high and tight to start. So, Chris, don't <laughs> yeah. change high any and tight, of my In settings. other words, hitting somebody else in the head from the Mets. I, yeah. I slept outside the house today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you've been right. sleeping out there for a couple of weeks. We actually knew about that. My parents are getting <laughs> hey, everybody. a phone calls at 430. <laughs> Um, so my story, I, not to be too direct, but my story parallels one Tiger Woods in, about, uh, in that about a week and a half ago, I was still will I or won't I. And I actually got a text from uh, our show's uh, dear friend Mike Crowley asking if he got a ticket, if I might be able to make it down for Friday at the Masters. And at this point, we don't know, is Tiger playing? Is he not playing? Liz and I are trying to pair up, uh, you know, looking at schedules, trying to see if we can make it down to South Carolina. Dad, if you remember, we drove from Chanamoni's house in 2018 for a practice round. The drive right. from the general South Carolina low country is doable in a day. It just happens to be a pretty long day. So once it looked like a ticket was on the table and had materialized, then if you looked at what storylines were, were sort of um, were materializing, you had to do it. So I was able to get up early Friday morning, drove up by myself, and uh, was able to find Mike Crowley that, uh, that morning. And so that's about a three-hour drive to Augusta, and each way is, is three hours. You get there, you get about on a parking two, line. Okay, you get yeah, on a parking line. Once you make the parking lot, you're good, right? You think to yourself, I'm good now because I have a so place to park my car. Our, our friends were there on Thursday, and I got super worried that I wasn't going to be able to make it into the parking lot. Already I have a ticket in hand. The only thing I'm worried about at this point is can I get my car into the lot? So I ended up leaving, uh, again, I was leaving just before 6. It was really nice because I called you a few times. As soon as you, yeah, you're approaching the club, you start to see all these recognizable, you know, facades. For me, it's you're driving past Magnolia Lane. You wish you could take a left turn. Of course, there's security <laughs> there saying, move it along. You have to go another half a mile up. You go past the press center. And parking was really easy. And as soon as you're in the sort of the facilities, I would say the, the half-mile approach to, for me, it was the North Gate you just immediately see smiles. Everyone, it's rare to be at one place where everyone is so happy to be there. No one has seen a golf, a golf shot struck. Everyone is just happy to be there. You're seeing the traditional pairings of fathers and sons, of buddy trips, you know, groups of four and five. 
And unlike any other tournament, you see this, the, this mix across age. You're seeing a lot of couples, you know, couples in their 60s, 70s, who are sort of going through the years as they, as they wear their uh, badges, as they wear their hats, their jackets from years past. It's a lovely, if you've never been there, I, I would recommend it if you can. It's hard to get a ticket. It's lovely. One of the great things about the Masters, of course, that only an idiot would not understand, is that it is played at the same time, on the same course, all the time. So every golfer in the world grows up wanting to play and win the Masters more than any other tournament. In tennis, it's Wimbledon. In golf, it's the Masters. Even people from Chile, from Argentina, from Australia, from Poland, the Masters is what they want to win the British Open too, but they want to win the Masters more. It is the most prestigious, most wonderful title. And you got an opportunity, although I will tell you that I was a little nervous for you because this was Tiger's tournament, whether he won, won it or not. Certainly the first two days belonged to Tiger. And I know that Tiger was minus one on Thursday. But there was a part of me, Michael, that wondered, it was wet on Thursday. That's a tough walk when you have one leg, you know, walking in the wet ground up elevation, especially on 18. Every day he finished 18. You said, my God, he'll never come back. And I just wondered, will he be back on Friday? And of course he was. Did you get to see him at all? I did. I planned my entire day around him. And before I get to Tiger, I would just speak to what you're talking about, the scale in history. Whenever anyone goes for the first time, they always mention how much bigger, how, how big the hills are, the scale of the undulations. TV doesn't do it justice. And, and it really becomes layers of history. Uh, you go to the 15th hole, which they've pushed back you know, a number of yards. It looks like it has looked every year since. This year, you saw no eagles on that hole. It sort of changed the trajectory. But you're still comparing shots in that hole to Gene Saracen. You're looking at um, all the holeouts for Eagles on the other par fives. You're looking at 12, which, again, you have another piece of history as you look at Cam Smith in the final pairing, pushes it just a little bit right. It catches. Yeah. It doesn't even catch the think It goes into the water. And, again, you're just looking at these layers of, of almost like sediment as you're looking at all these undulations that history creates, that the players want to test themselves against, that you're trying to come up with this balance between – how do you protect the game? How do you protect the tournament when you have all these changes in uh, technology? Again, you're looking at guys in the, in the final pairings. Sc uh, Scotty Shepard is big. He's tall. Cam Smith is a wiry person. They're hitting drives 350-plus. I know it's downhill, but on nine, 350-plus, the two of the longest drives of the day. Uh, now to Tiger. We knew he had the afternoon tea time, so I arrived. I was on grounds by about 8.30, and what's so great is that it gives you a quiet moment to just sort of walk around. One of my favorite things, uh, favorite walks on a golf course is to look backwards. And at a lot of majors, you don't really get that because there's so many people. But when you're at the Masters early, when you get through these crosswalks, you can look backwards and start to see the shape of the hole. So, you know, immediately you go out to, for me, I really wanted to go out to 15, you go to the uh, Amen Corner, you go to the famous spots behind 16 as you're going up to the hill. And you're sort of looking at the pairing sheet. So, of course, they have the mid-10 o'clock hour, you have, Jordan Speeds, you have uh, Brooks, you have Rory. So you know you're going to follow those pairings. Um, so then we had a little bit of time. We, we ended up going into the merchandise 10, which everyone does. I felt like Kevin from Home Alone, where I immediately <laughs> lost my, my friend, my, my partner for the day, Mike Crowley, and felt like, uh, you know, felt like a kid walking around looking for his parent. But because of that, I went up to the practice, uh, practice area, and I got to see Tiger walk out 
And probably the most intimate thing I saw all day was there's only about 40 people around the chipping area. He pulls out, you know, sand wedge. Uh, he gets his little bag, and he does everything with so much style as he's sitting these little cut spinners. And that's where you can see, I mean, you don't remember this, but four or five years ago, before, before this most recent accident, we all thought he was done because he had the chipping yips. And to see him hit these controlled spinners, these draws up the hill, these high cuts, that's the closest I've been to Tiger probably since the 2000 President's Cup, where he almost hit, you know, he almost hit me off a tee ball. So, uh, you know, I got to see Tiger. We sort of focused our entire day around that. And then watching him off the first tee, I went away from him for a little bit, came back to him on the fifth hole. And then the difference between watching, you have two routes. You can either put your chair down and try and watch all the action on one hole for a few hours. And then when they move through, you go to another spot. Or you're trying to basically chart your way, trying to match shots by you know, your sort of group of focus or your groups of focus. So, again, Tiger was playing just behind Cam Smith, Bryson DeChambeau. He's playing two groups in front of Scheffler. So they do it so well that you have a, a, you know, sort of a, a swell of players that you want to see. But, yeah, we, we were really trying to focus on seeing Tiger. Tiger was – I understand he finished 78-78. History will record that he made the cut – you know, when 14 months ago he was left for dead in his car. Stunning. He made the cut, which is amazing, and was under on the first made, round. Made the cut easily. Yeah. So let me go. Let me go to yesterday, Michael, just a little bit. Could have been even deeper on Thursday. He missed. He lipped out a yeah. lot of putts. Yeah. Sands will will be around later. So and, and he'll do the same thing. But I thought there were three holes, maybe four holes for Scotty Scheffler. The chip in on three, the par save on eleven. Number 12, where, where Cam's in the water, and he's way left. He's off the green. He makes a great first putt and gets par there. And even though he's going to win, the chip, the, the approach shot on 17. It was just anything you could have asked of Scotty Scheffler, it seemed to me he did. Yes, people dropped back from him, but it seemed to me he won the tournament. What do you think? Uh, he totally won the tournament. I would say that his uh, his short game was surgical yesterday. If you look at the types of shots he was hitting, it all starts at number one. He ends Saturday by hitting his drive off the course. He opens up Monday yes. by doing the one thing you really can't do with the lead, which is give that opening. It actually started to feel very similar to the 2018 final pairing with Rory McIlroy and Patrick Reed. You thought Rory was going to come out and make a big move. He didn't. His first tee ball was was sort of off the course. This is to the right. Scheffler is able to hook some mid-iron around. It goes through the green. We know the pin's in a, in a little shelf. But first hole, you're thinking, okay, is he going to hit this to 15 feet? Is he going to be sort of on the same shelf? Uh, his opponent, again, we're already match play. His opponent is about 15 feet away. Hits it to four feet, drains the putt. Uh, that, I think, settles him. The chip-in on number three just completely changes the, the tides. You have a yeah. Cam Smith who has birdied mm-hmm. one and two. They're both out of position. They're just trying to figure out, how can I give myself a part putt? He bangs a low spinner into the hill, and the bonus is it goes in. If that doesn't go in, that's a 12-footer downhill. So he, Scheffler won it. Cam Smith, it, very interesting. Birdie, birdie, par, bogey, bogey. I mean, took, and he took himself out of it on 12, and, and that's, he was probably out of it anyway, but he was definitely out of it after that. Are you, by the way, playing golf? Are you, have you yeah, had I, some fun? I, okay. Um, I would say I would go back to Cam for for one second. If you look at the okay. big shift on twelve, is he makes that huge birdie on eleven, and then you start to say, yes. "Is this one of those hardest hole?" We're having having the honor on twelve actually is a disservice to the chaser because you want to try and see what mm-hmm. Scheffler does. As soon as he goes in the water, Scheffler uh, is able to play 
a very conservative shot, and, the, and he's able to save the par, but he doesn't need to at that point. At that, you know, even when Rory makes his finish, all you're doing is avoiding. All you have to do is avoid water. No water means no big numbers that's, until you four right. putt eighteen. Yeah, you hit it, hit it on dry land. You know, and and what he did on eighteen when he missed the short putts. He had he could have missed two more mm-hmm. and still won. Two more from four inches and still won. But it humanized him. Didn't you think, Michael? It made him It did. And, and so look, there's um I think what's gonna become a bigger story today as people digest this is the importance of having a caddy you can trust. He, he was talking about how he felt like uh Ted Scott was basically carrying him around. Remember, this is the same caddy where years ago that there was a trending hashtag of like pray for Ted Scott because of uh, you know, because of how he's being treated by Bubba, but he now has caddied for three Masters winners, and you could even hear on on CBS some of the dialogue going back and forth between them. But he was super emotional before he teed off. His wife calmed him down. A lot of the players were tweeting out saying like, "Hey, if you got if you can six putt eighteen green to win the Masters, go for it." <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you had that big a lead. He played that well. All right, enjoy yourself. Thank you for being on the show. I have a bagel well, sandwich you for, for you. Do you want me to save it? <laughs> Michael, oh, yes, he please, doesn't have a bagel sandwich for you. next to the cottage, cottage cheese? I know Chris yes, is buying that all morning. Yeah, we'll, we'll save that for you right in my belly. <laughs> yeah. All right, thank you, Michael. Bye. We'll take a break. When we come back, Steve Sands, who was also at Augusta and there for all four days, Steve Sands will join us, and once again, we will... Digest the Masters. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. This is our friend Brandon Costello. Whatever name he chooses to have, he is our friend. Yes. You know, as the Everly Brothers once sang, I hear Martha has gone and changed her name <laughs> in, her, in her quest to find money and fame, something like that. Anyway, uh, this is a song called If That's Okay, and Brandon writes, emails about kitchen outlets, six, and hometown celebrities aside, it's sometimes hard to remember I exist. Here are a pair of late night demos just to say I exist. So that's, we love him. Yes. Again, this is called If That's Okay, and it plays, you can hear uh, Brandon's work at the end of the podcast or go to it now. It plays in Steve Sands. And unlike Michael, who was at Augusta for one day, Sands was at Augusta for all four days. And I, I'm going to start with this. I know that Scott, Scotty Scheffler won the tournament. And I know he's on a streak rivaling Tiger at some point in his career with the amount of things he's won in a short period of time. But it seemed to me, and I'm doing this from the head of an old sports writer, it seemed to me it was Tiger's tournament all the way around. And I wondered how you felt being there physically. Oh, no doubt about it. Totally agree. I always wanted to be a sports writer, Tony. I wanted to be the next Tony Kornheiser. But I just was a terrible writer, so that's how I ended up doing sportscasting and TV. And you are 100% correct. Uh, it was, I don't know how to describe it fully other than to just say I've never seen 
people so energized to just get a glimpse of an athlete. And I guess that's because he's been away for so long and because when you haven't seen somebody in 17 months and the previous 25 years before that or whatever it's been, he's been the most outstanding athlete you can possibly imagine when he's competing and for the most part. And I just think that people were in awe. They were gawking, and it was just amazing to see what type of not just energy, Tony, but the people around him, the, the players, the caddies, the members, every step he took, there were people everywhere all over him. And it was, it was cool. They gave him a lot of love, and he gave them a lot of love back. He enjoyed the, the, the week, even though it looked like it was stressful. He was really, really giving the love back. Tim Gallagher Jr., who I worked with last week, was saying that he heard a woman say, I love you, Tiger, on the ninth tee on Friday. And after he hit his tee shot, he turned around and looked at her right back and said, thank you so much. Now, that's not a huge gesture, Tony, but it says a lot about where Tiger is, that he's acknowledging all the adulation that he's receiving. So I was texting with a bunch of people, as everybody was who likes golf, texting with different people here, there, and everywhere. And I sent this out to a few people after the first round, and it was, I know he's not going to win. He can't win, right? But if he wins... (laughs) It's the most incredible story in sports in your lifetime. It, it, wouldn't you I mean, what he did on Thursday to finish one under was um, absolutely amazing. You, you're around golf all the time. People must have felt the same way, that it was amazing, right? Uh, absolutely astonishing what he was doing, what he came back from, what he had to put himself through to get to this point. Um, I wasn't sure he was going to make the cut. Uh, and it didn't look like yeah. it on Friday when he bogeyed four of the first five holes. But yeah. Yeah. talk about grit and determination. This this golf course, as Michael knows and as you know well, does not show how hilly it is on television. So everybody who thinks that they know what Augusta looks like because they've been watching the Masters their entire lives, they really don't have any idea how undulating uh, the golf course is. And it's just the most. It's just flat out. No, no pun intended. It is absolutely the most difficult walk in all of major championship golf. And it's the, it's the second most difficult walk on the PGA Tour outside of Kapalua. So it is an extremely difficult walk. And before people poo-poo that, that's part of the game, getting around. Um, you know, it's, you're walking a long, long way. And he did it, by the way, Tony, for eight straight days. He played golf on Sunday, then, a, then nine holes on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. He was also hitting balls and then working out and going to ice baths and all that stuff, and then played four days of competitive golf and you could tell yesterday you could tell late in the day on friday you could tell yesterday a little bit on saturday as well he had a pronounced limp he was in yes. pain uh, while yes. he was playing you can like him or dislike him but man you cannot question that man's resolve so he he finishes 78 78 which is terrible by anybody's right. standards who's a pro and worse by tiger standards and yet the reception from the crowd is greater for him than any other player, even Scheffler at the end. It's greater for Tiger. And Tiger actually used the word yesterday, I feel encouraged. And so what do you think his immediate future is, Steve? Well, I thought the reception, Tony, first of all, was was really heartwarming. Here's a guy who clearly has been through a lot. 
uh, and most of it is his own his own doing. There's no nobody's debating that. However, when you get to compete and, and you get to show a little bit more about yourself than just some of the mistakes you've made on or off the golf course, eventually sports fans are going to forgive. They don't forget. They don't. Nobody forgets what's going on, but everybody forgives for the most part. Uh, their athletes when they go out and perform and perform their best. And man, that reception yesterday coming up 18 was something else. And and he really, really soaked it in. He is not someone who's ever done that before. He's done it a few times recently, but in his career, he was never like that. Always so laser focused. And, And this time he allowed them to show him the love because he kept giving it back to them. And that's, that's nice to see. There's a guy who's, who's growing up, obviously, uh, in front of the world's eye, and he's maturing to the point where he has an understanding of where he is in the game uh, and what it took to get back to where he is right now. And the, and the fans acknowledging that and him giving them the love back I thought was cool. And I, He announced yesterday that he's going to play the Open Championship, Tony, at Good. St. Andrews. St. Andrews. Um, so Flat. That's that, exactly. That's the one we talked about on and off the air, Tony, that he was going yep. to be going to uh, because yep. it's the shortest and flattest of the major championships. He's won two Clarence Jugs there, uh, and it's the home of golf, and it's his favorite golf course in the world. Uh, so I, I, I know he's going to be playing that in July unless there's a health setback. The PGA Championship next month, the U.S. Open in June, now those two are, are up in the air just because of the way they're set up, Tony. Uh, they're, they're more difficult. There's a lot of rough. It, it'd be way more stressful and strenuous on his lower right leg, which clearly is is damaged permanently, and his lower back, uh, which everybody forgets he was getting over a fused back. So the PGA Championship is in question. So is the U.S. Open. I have a feeling he's not going to play the PGA. I don't know why. And then... Um, play the Memorial, which is Jack's tournament, which gives him one tournament to get you know loose for or ready for before going to the U.S. Open. But hopefully he plays in the PGA Championship next month in Tulsa. It's five weeks away, so there's a lot of time for him to recover and also get stronger. There is no question that he was in enormous pain. You could see it written all over his face. At the end of the rounds for four straight days, <coughs> excuse me, and there's more pain when you're coming in on 78 than when you're coming in on 71. I mean, it, it's yep. just different. He also, though, and, and I wondered if there was an explanation for this. He did not putt well at all on the weekend. He really did not. He's a great putter, a great reader of greens. Does that have to do with pain and distraction, or is there something more significant with it, the way he putted? He also knows these greens at Augusta better than anybody yeah. in the field by far. I think it was Russ, Tony. Um, he hadn't okay. played golf at the highest level in 17 months. And, you know, that's a long time away when you're competing. And he hit some good shots. He hit some great shots. He also hit some lousy ones. And the putting was the thing that looked the rustiest. Is that, the, is that a word? Mm-hmm. It looked the most yes. rusty. Um, it, was, it, was, it was not a good display of putting. And, and I don't know whether it was the adrenaline of walking and the shots uh, that he was able to execute better than the putting, and then once everything kind of calmed down, slowed down on the greens, he wasn't able to adjust. Or when, you, when you're rusty, Tony, and you haven't competed at the highest level, this is a lot different than playing at home with his friends 
you know, money game at, at the medalist down in Jupiter or working out uh, in his in his backyard, which has, you know, all kinds of short game areas and putting greens and all kinds of things like that, you know, where he can hit balls all day. I don't know. I It was just rusty to me, Tony. I, you, you knew okay. he was never going to be able to compete because he'd been away for That's so right. long. Yeah. All right, let me get to Scotty Scheffler. I don't want to give him short shrift. Um, he played really, really well. He made a great second shot on Saturday on 18, where it looked like yeah. he was going to double the hole. He made a great shot. He made a great shot, a, a great par save on one yesterday because he was in the woods on one. He made a great chipping on three. He made a great par save on 11. And on 12, getting down and he wins the tournament on 12 because Cam Smith goes in the water. Rory McIlroy, oddly enough, had a great weekend. It's usually the other way around. He usually starts well and then has a terrible weekend, and so he reversed it. But Scotty Schefter was in no particular danger, and yet his, his, his marksmanship, his approach shot on 17 was spectacular. I mean, what more could you ask, right? I mean, he's a worthy champion, right? 100% a worthy champion. Yeah. Now, the big debate, yeah. Tony, is whether or not he's on a heater or he's actually a great player and we're seeing the beginning uh-huh. of what could be a uh-huh. spectacular career. As right. you talked about when we first came on, Tony, some of the similarities to Tiger or Geary, he won the Masters in his third time uh, coming to Augusta. He made it his fifth or, excuse me, his fourth PGA Tour event uh, as far as a victory. It's there are a lot of similarities there, but it, but it ends there because this is way too early to be discussed. Oh, yeah. and everybody needs to take their foot off the gas and stop rubbing the anointing oil all over Scotty Scheffler. But is he hot? Is he great? It's going to be interesting to see uh, how it all plays out. But he was fabulous uh, this week. His short game, Tony, is is just remarkable. And yeah. when you win. In Scottsdale, that's great. You're supposed to win a PGA tournament. That was where he was, you know, his path was ascending in that direction. And then he backs it up with another win at Bay Hill. That's great. And then he backs it up with another win at the match play. So he wins three times in five starts, which is crazy on the PGA Tour. Nobody wins at a percentage like that. 60% winner percentage is ridiculous. And then he wins the next time. First time as the number one player in the world in the official world golf ranking, uh, as the favorite, slept on the lead, um, had to play in the final group on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. This was a very well-deserved win. Uh, nobody backed away. Nobody lost it. Scotty Scheffler went out and won it. And man, oh man, give him all the credit. I would say one other thing, too. The tournaments that you mentioned, this is not winning at the Greenbrier or the John Deere. <laughs> He's winning with real fields, right? I mean, those tournaments attract the best players. He's beating the best players, right? The best players. And, I mean, the best players at the top of the sport when he hadn't won before and had all the potential um, and had all the expectations heavily weighing on his shoulders. This kid was an amateur player, Tony, in Texas. He was born in New Jersey. His family moved outside Dallas, Texas. And he played a lot of junior golf when he was a kid, a lot of junior golf. But he was winning a ton of those junior events. And the only reason I bring it up is because just to give you an idea of the mental makeup of this kid, he's a really, really nice guy, by the way. The mental makeup of this kid, when he played those junior tournaments, and I know you guys have been around those junior tournaments, he wore pants, Tony. He never wore shorts. 
you wore pants because, and everybody would make fun of him, everybody would ask about it. He wanted to look like a professional and act yeah. like a professional. And that's when he was a kid. This guy has been built for this moment, and man, did he step up big the last four days. Yeah, I mean, this is not a criticism. Not everybody is charismatic. He is not. Rory McIlroy is charismatic. John Rahm is a big guy, but he's charismatic. Scotty Scheffler, right, right, Steve, not yet charismatic, maybe never. Great player, not charismatic. I, I, the maybe never part is, is the more accurate part. He's a wonderful kid. There's no, yeah. no debate on that. He has zero charisma, zero juice. Yeah. And yeah. if he's going to be the dominant figure, and look... We're a long ways away from him being a dominant figure. He's on a That's very, right. very good run. He's in his 18-month moment right now, as Padraig Harrington told me yesterday. Um, and let's see if it continues beyond uh, just an 18-month mark where he's having just a fantastic time playing incredible golf. But he has very little juice, Tony, as far as uh, being charismatic or magnanimous or a, a draw, something like that. Yeah. And, it's not going to change. That's who he is. He's a very, very grounded young man. He's married. You saw him yesterday walking with his wife, Meredith. That's right. They, they're, they're high school sweethearts, Tony. I mean, think about being 25, being a professional athlete, having, you know, tens of millions in the bank. And he's with his high school sweetheart, and he's going to Bible study, and he's doing all the things that you would not think a phenomenally athletic wealthy 25-year-old guy would be like. And whether right. or not he can kind of carry the mail with ratings uh, or, or in a press conference and, and be the face of the game, we're a long ways away from that. Let's see how it all unfolds. Yeah, Tiger had that from the beginning. And, oh, and somebody said this the sure. other day. Tiger doesn't move the needle. Tiger is the needle. <laughs> you know, right. I mean, right. Thank you, Steve. Talk soon. Thank you. Thank you. You got it. Take it easy, guys. Steve Sands, boys and girls. We'll take a break. Chris will chat with us when we return. Like it's Chris Chris in the spotlight time. Hello. Yeah, in the spotlight (laughs) time. I'm Tony Kornheiser. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Brandon Costello one more time. This is called Never Know. I just assume that Brandon Costello sits down at various points during the day and starts to play and sing something. Sure. Right, and records it in case he likes it. I mean, I think that's how songs are done. You fool around. Yeah, he might. If you like it, you build on it. Yeah, he might have some lyrics in his head or some chords or something like that and then just sort of play around with it and then say, oh, yeah, this is... This is how how scrambled eggs became yesterday. (laughs) Cry, cry, cry all the way home. (laughs) All the way home. And that's the way it happened. All right, so there's Chris in the background. So let's talk... Should I tell people how they can send music in? Oh, I'm sorry, yes. Uh, Original music. uh, Jingles at uh, TonyCornizershow.com. Yes, your original music. I have some stuff from Sir Paul McCartney I would love to hear on the show. By the way... Can I do that? Can I just... Sure. Can I tell you this? Um, I was going back and forth yesterday with my friend Lowell Singer, 
and something, I, I don't know what came up, but he says, have you ever seen the Paul McCartney, James Corden car, oh, karaoke? car karaoke? Oh, yeah. Yes, and I amazing. said no. Oh. And he sent it to me. It's phenomenal. Yes, it's amazing. It? It's, it's, it's amazing. unbelievable. Yes. <laughs> Paul McCartney is the best person on earth, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. It's incredible. He can't be a nicer person, that, even if it's all set up. So what? It's that just, format is cool. He happened into something really cool, but the McCartney one's one of the best ones. Yeah, it's I mean, they've done a ton of them. Amazing. Yeah. Just lovely. Yeah. lovely. All right, so I want to talk a few, because you're here, I do need to talk a couple of political things, but then we're going to get to the critical issue, which is the Nats. Thank you. And how bad the Nats <laughs> Saving the last for, worst yeah. for last. The Supreme Court nomination, was, uh, the nominee was easily confirmed. Mm -hmm. And it just, I wrote down the line, it's the Stephen Stills law, line. Um, there's battle lines being drawn. <laughs> it just seems that, that we are at a point where everything is being used for political gain on one side yep. or another. And I'm not even talking about no compromise. There's no civility. Right. Yeah, if you watched any of the confirmation hearings, which I only watched, I, I will confess, spottily because I was in California, uh, my kid's spring break, but I did watch some. All that those things are now about, it's not about like judging whether or not this person would be good on the Supreme no. Court. It's about scoring potential footage for ads. Yes. And, and, you know, and it's politics is always. Sort of performance, yeah. but it's all performance. Um, what is amazing is that you go back not that far. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, like a ninety-seven to no, one, exactly. No one's idea of a moderate, right? right? Ninety-seven to one. I, I actually think that so. Katanji Brown Jackson got fifty-three votes. She got three Republicans: Mitt Romney, Lisa Murkowski, Susan Collins. Good. There's think, nothing in her background that doesn't no, say that you're a Supreme Court justice. And again, the, issue, the issue is really, or the issue once was, the judgment that senators would make is, does this person have the background and comportment to be on the Supreme Court? Not, does this person agree with me? That, that oh. used to be. Now it's, does this person agree with me? Um, I, I actually think 53 is probably about the high watermark that any nominee could expect in this current moment with the Senate split 50-50, you're just not going to. Those three people I named are probably at the start of this, before we knew who the nominee was. If you say that there's going to be a Supreme Court opening, who might, which Republicans might vote for? Those, those are the three I would have said, and I wouldn't have said anyone else. Right. And that's exactly what happened. And it leads to this question, and, and it's premature. The question is premature, but it, it's, it's in front of us. Do you think Trump is going to run, and do you think Biden is going to run? So, these are old men. They're older than Biden I am. Is, Biden is seventy nine. I'm too old to do this. It'd be it'd be eighty two. <laughs> I am. Uh, so you're not running for president? In no, I'm, I'm, I shouldn't even do a podcast. Um, I should be in a home. Well, that that's what Michael said to me, but I don't. Um, so Biden will be turned eighty two years old shortly. His birthday is like November twentieth or something. So shortly after the twenty twenty four election, he'll be eighty two. He'll be eighty one when he's running. Trump is slightly younger. Trump will be in his mid late seventies. I would be at this point stunned if Trump did not run. Um, based on one very specific thing, this is a man who likes attention. There is no more attention you can get in this country. That outside of being a sports star, which he's not going to be, than running for president, yeah. right? And uh, Biden, 
I, I guess I would say, I don't know is the short answer. I would yeah. say 50-50. I mean, I don't think he knows, to, right. to be totally candid. I don't think he's made a a call. He he was the oldest person ever elected to a first term. B- Trump set that record. It used to be Reagan's record, and we thought, oh my gosh, Reagan is 70. I can't believe he's getting elected. Well, Biden is eight years older than that. Right. Um, so we don't know. We're in, we're sort of through the looking glass in some ways as it relates to age. We've just never been in this place before where he will be 80 you know, in the middle of his term, um, people are living longer. I mean, there's all, you know, there's yeah. no reason to think he can't do it. Right. Um, I do think, though, that, you know, I, I think that Trump, if he runs, is a like a I, I wouldn't call him the favorite, but it's basically a coin toss. I would. I mean, I, if he if he runs against Biden now, who knows? There are a couple things. The economy, if the economy gets significantly better, inflation goes down, gas prices go down, <clears throat> which is how most people judge the economy. Most people judge the economy on the stock market and how much gas costs. I, I get economists' heads just blew up. <laughs> right, right. I get it. But that's how regular. Folks I, but do. that's I mean, regular people are not like, oh, the GDP is CPI. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no. it's just not it's just not how they. So for regular people, they feel a pinch right now. If if the economy gets better, Biden will strengthen. If COVID-19 looks like a epidemic rather than a pandemic, which hopefully we're moving in that direction, although, you know, the gridiron, the outbreak at the gridiron, oh, I think, yeah. spooks a lot of people, um, then Biden could be in a different place. But right now, Joe Biden is in the low 40s in terms of job approval. And if the election was today, which it's not, Donald Trump versus Joe Biden, Donald Trump would win. I mean, you know, I I know that that shocks a lot of people, but... Um, you know, I, I think there's polling that backs that up, and, the, and, and uh, he retains significant support within the Republican Party. Uh, you know, and, and, and as I said to somebody that over the weekend, they were like, what do you think about Trump in 2024? I said, well, what, what could he possibly say or do that if you're for him now, that would you'd be like, oh, okay, all right, well, that's too much. You know what I mean? Like, right. if you've no, been alive for the last six years, there, there's nothing right. that— there's nothing that could be said or done. And so the people who are for him are for him no matter what. Yeah. And in politics, that's powerful. Um, let me move on to Ukraine just to pick your brain on this. It continues. Yeah. It's awful beyond words. It's Hitler. You know, I mean, these people are being killed for the crime of living in a place that he wants, that Putin 100%. wants. That's all it is. That's right. They're shooting at train stations and hotels and hospitals. And it does not abate. It does not abate. And the isolation of Russia is fairly obvious. Where does, where are we going? So, because we're not going to enter into this. United States will not enter no, into this no, no, as a participant no. in violence. They won't do it. No. We are going to do what we are currently doing, which is try to lead the world in terms of sanctions, yeah. um, sanctions against Russia. So, two things I think are happening. I think one is. You're seeing a retrenchment by the Russians away from Kiev. So Kiev is, I will confess, I knew that none of this three months ago. I now know it all. Kiev is in the center, effectively, of the country. Um, Russia is moving most of its forces to the eastern part of the country where there is a lot more uh, goodwill towards Russia. There's Russian separatists already in the eastern part of the country. They have just appointed this new general who... uh, you know, his claim to, I guess, quote unquote, fame is he shoots leading, leading uh, the Syria. assault against Syria, Syria. and Syrian yeah. civilians. So yeah. it's it's not going to get less ugly, I would say. Um, I would circle May 9th on your calendar. That is a it's a 
World War II Remembrance Day. It's a holiday in Russia. Um, I, if you are looking for Vladimir Putin to declare victory, now it's not going to be the victory he wanted. Let's let's be candid here. You don't you don't send troops to the borders of Kiev because you don't want to occupy the capital and replace the government, right? But I think he's going to try to find a way to declare victory. And I would circle that day around May 9th as a possible secession, at least of some of the fighting and the violence. Now, again, you never know, like, what is Ukraine willing to give up, if anything? What is Putin willing to take and say, okay, I I won? You know, again, it's a state-controlled media. The the thing that people, I think, have to understand is the way that we are consuming the war. They're not. Not at all. I mean, it's totally, they have shut down, they have shut down, they have shut down all independent media in the country. So basically you are only hearing from exactly what Vladimir Putin wants you to hear. So the idea that there's some rebellion in Russia against this is not in fact the case. He he can continue on with this because he's feeding these lies to people. But I, but I would say it, it does not, the appointment of this general suggests based on his past performance that it's going to get uglier, not less ugly, and 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 more atrocious in terms of you know civilian casualties. But maybe geographically. But maybe geographically, we're moving more just to the east. And does that open the door for a possible some kind of brokered settlement? Okay. And I, you know, let me get to the Nats. The Nats much more important. Love that segue. Right. Just let me get to the Nats. And now the Nats. <laughs> so the Nats are terrible. Now they did win yesterday, and Nelson Cruz delivered a hit. Mm-hmm. Watch that hit. Off the relieving staff of uh, the Mets. I was happy for that, but the Nats are terrible. I heard something. I heard Bob Carpenter say this. And Bob Carpenter is paid by the Nats. His loyalty is to the Nats. I understand this. I understand this. But Victor Robles on Saturday made a wonderful defensive play. And Bob Carpenter said to the new fella in the booth with him, Kevin Franson. Franny. Said, you know. If uh, if Robles could just hit 245, we'd really have something out there in center field. Well, let me tell you how many points below 245 yeah. he is now. He's 245 below 245. He's O. He's O. He's O for yeah. the season. Hit. Four games, four starts. He's O for the season because he can't hit major league pitching. He maybe could hit the Nats if he paid for another team, but he can't hit major league and pitching. And remember, I believe unless unless he had a streak at the end of last year, I believe he hit under 200. He did. I think he hit 199. That's he, he did. So this so, is not this a, is not a small you, sample it size. It is easier to get a better fielder than it is to get a better hitter. He I, can't he can't hit major league pitching. I, I mean, don't again, think he can. Go back 3 or 4 years. Robles was the five-star prospect. Yes, not Soto, Soto was just a guy. Well, it turns different. Turns and, out, different. and it just show. I mean, turns out differently. I, I just. What do you make of the Nats? I so they a were sixty-win team. Yeah, so they were outscored. I heard Barry uh, last week, I think, on the show saying, you know, uh, they're, they're probably about a ninety-loss team, and and I, I think that would be. They lost ninety-seven last year. I think they're going to be in similar territory they're 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 just not good they can't really score i mean you you basically the have pitchers to, can't get and that's the fifth the, inning. and that's the other thing is that for all fifth. of josiah gray the first two innings josiah gray looks like a world beater i mean he really does he's like strike okay. out strike out strike out and then you know he makes it through four innings it's like corbin didn't get through the fifth nope and you know and, and 
uh, you know, their pitching depth, we talked about this off-air, their pitching depth is such that Anibal Sanchez, who has not been in the league, I think, in two or three years, is their go-to fifth starter, and he scratched today. So, so Who's I don't, the guy I liked last year? Uh, Paolo... That's, oh, Paolo Espino. Espino, I loved him. Yep. He's not on the team. Nope. He went out there and gave you innings. He ate up innings. Yeah. I, I just, what happened? The, I, the based on their outscored nineteen to eight by the Mets in the in the first four games, they are playing in a difficult. Tell me you didn't see that grand slam coming. Of course, everybody saw that grand slam coming. <laughs> Pete Alonso certainly saw it coming. Everybody saw it coming. I, I think that they. The problem is, is they're also in a pretty good division. You know, yes. the Braves are going to be yes. good. The Mets Phillies are very good. The ground pitches, the Phillies, and the Marlins are better. So I, I think they're headed to a last place finish. Um, I know. I, 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 I took, watch. I, I, I we, watch. And we're going to watch no matter I watch. what. I watch every game. I took Barry's words to heart. Barry said last week, rather than focus on whether or not they're going to sign Soto, spend the next three summers enjoying Soto. So I'm trying to do that because I'm going to watch every game. I mean, I know they're going to be. They may well lose a hundred. Yes. You know. Yes. I know they're not going to be good, but you are looking at a generational talent. It's like watching Scherzer pitch. You know. I mean, the, the, these these level of players don't come along that. So I'm going to go to some games. I'm going to take the kids to some games because I do think Soto is that level of ability. So, He's 23. Let me just say this about watching Soto. On Saturday, was it Friday or Saturday? The game was unavailable if you did not have Apple, Apple TV. TV. Friday yeah. night. Yeah, it's Apple TV. Very confusing. This is criminal on the part of Rob Manfred yeah. and baseball. I know him. I like him. I don't like this. Basically, your audience is old people who love baseball, who don't know what streaming is. Don't They don't have any idea what Apple TV is. It doesn't have anything to do with your And then you put them in a position where they have to get a trial for it, which you can get for free. But if you don't cancel within like 18 seconds, yeah, you pay. you're, you're going to pay down the road. You're taking it off local TV. You're putting it on a national game. And if you are a fan of the local team, that broadcast is terrible for you. Yes. Because there's no insight into your local team, the Mets or the or, or the Nats. Yeah, you It doesn't voices. work. Well, yeah. and I watched it. I get Apple I did. TV. I, I get got Apple it. TV Plus. And the other thing was is thank, it, thank you to Elizabeth and Ron for setting yeah, me up for that, that, that good, one game. Good, good on you. And then I left after five innings. But that team too that they had on the Apple TV game, you could tell that they were sort of new to it. Yes, too. I mean, like they were. It was Chris, no Chris Young and 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 a couple others, and I mean, it was. That's not easy. I could not. No, do it's that. hard. Let, but, let's say but that. It but it not, was. It's not substantive for people who know these no, teams. Not at all. It's also on Friday, which you know, if you want to sort of it's launch, it's going to be every thing. Friday apparently. Yes, yeah. Friday night baseball. Like, this would, is a mistake. Yeah, I would think you would launch it like maybe on like a Tuesday. Baseball is all local. Yes. Nobody watches did you, national. Did you see that they had in the lower right hand corner of the screen like projections of betting that things, up, that, that uh, betting betting things. Stuff, I didn't betting like stuff, that. And then yeah, projections of like Nigel has a seventy-one point base. chance of hitting. No. And they would update it. Didn't like that at all. They didn't explain where those projections came from. It could have just been a guy typing out. You know, I would have liked a little, like, backstory, but yeah. Can I just say about Apple TV, though? There is. I'm sure it's great. Well, no, there's a show on it that I think you would like. Severance. Slow Horses. Oh, yes. It's a spy thing with Gary Oldman. Yes. It's fantastic. 
I'm not knocking Apple TV. Yeah. I'm saying that, oh, I know. that I know. Well, when you are used now. to... You're a subscriber, so yeah, you can watch... No, I was for one day. Oh, well, now one day. And not, okay. not at home. I was in Delaware. Okay. When, when you are used to going to an over-the-air network... Even oh, with its flaws, yes. when you're used to doing that all the time, because that's how you consume baseball, and suddenly they tell you, you yeah. have to jump through five or six hoops to do it. You yes. go, well, like, second game of the year, why are you doing this to me? Yeah. Why are you doing this to me this early? I, I so. was surprised, I, and I guess this is part of the deal, but I was surprised it was not also on local. It was, like right. That, you know, it that, yes, it's national, but it's local. Just for the two markets right. where, where you, you watch it with knowledge of the teams. Right. Yes. So, anyway. That's me. Didn't even talk about the four four hit batsmen and two beanings. It's going to get ugly yeah. up Bad at City luck. Field Bad luck. in May. Okay. Yeah. You know what? The Mets have every reason to run off the bench and attack somebody. I mean, two beanings. You, don't, you can't have AAA pitchers throwing high at someone's head who's an all-star all the time. You can't have this. Right. This is a terrible thing. And they have like two different games. You know, you go to Alonzo's head, you go to Lindor's head, and people say, I didn't mean it, I didn't mean it. Well, maybe you shouldn't be in the majors. If you cannot control your pitching, maybe you shouldn't be in the majors. This is another reason why I look at, and I go, 60 wins is the most you could hope for. They don't. Yeah, that's about right. They don't have major league players at the moment. All right, we'll take a break. We come back with Jingle and Email. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening, you're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Out of the park with regularity now. He's killing it. That's just great by the O'Neaters. Oh, that so thing good. you do. Just wonderful. Now, do you want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad? Yes, Bethesda Bagels. we got the bagel sandwiches today. USA. <laughs> USA. Yes. Very good day to come so in. So excited. Yes, all you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com, for a location in the D.C. area nearest you, then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled. That'll just about do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just quote from that movie. Are you crazy? <laughs> a man in a really nice camper wants to put our song on the radio. Give me a pen. I'm signing. You're signing. We're all signing. <laughs> Lenny. That's from that thing you do. Uh, thanks to our guests today, Steve Sands, Michael Kornheiser, Chris Saliza. Thanks to today's sponsors, Indochino. 
next Sunday. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Many, many thanks to Joe Arrow for being so great. From Ronnie Stofle, or Stofel, I don't know how it's pronounced. It's typical that I'm off base when it comes to estimating the cost of service for home maintenance. But here's a story of me being 10 miles away from the ballpark. Forget about being in it. Last week, I returned home from daycare after picking up our children. When I pulled up, I heard our neighbors across the street calling my name. I turned around to what must have been hundreds of bees swarming around a tree in her yard. <laughs> our distance didn't put us in immediate danger, but after a quick chat, we hustled inside. Once we got inside, my wife received a call from the neighbor asking us to keep an eye out for pest control. The neighbor was leaving for a t-ball game, wasn't sure if she could answer... Uh, when they arrived. To be safe, she gave us her credit card number just in case she couldn't be reached. Within 30 minutes, a pest control truck arrived and watched two gentlemen spray down the tree. They couldn't have been there for longer than 15 to 20 minutes. As it appeared, they were wrapping up. I went outside to make sure they had the payment information. They confirmed they did and were all set. Problem solved, right? Maybe. Later that evening, our neighbor called to tell us that the visit cost $1,200. She learned of this price by her husband receiving an alert of suspected fraud. I have no idea what the going rate is for this service, and I had parenthetically, neither do I. However, I would never have guessed $1,200. My guess for rationalizing the cost is after hours, 5 p.m. local time, emergency call. Still smells like price gouging. What you do is you take a baseball bat, you right. go out there, you whack the nest down there, you run like hell back into your house. That's how you do it. Tom right? Pace, <laughs> associate professor of English and director of first-year writing at John Carroll University. I wish John Carroll University would pay me $42 million not to teach and oversee the university writing program. Also, we're renovating our kitchen, going from eight outlets to 12. John Wall. $42 million Amazing. to not play. Mm-hmm. J.H. in Herndon. I heard the new read for electric e-bikes. I know you had many unanswered questions and have a checkered past with electric products such as the Quip. I have one question. How long is that power cord? <laughs> From Justin Tate in Windermere, Florida. As a South Florida native who also spent a decade in D.C., I always enjoy when you have Greg Cody on your show. You did about two weeks ago, right? Yes. Just Greg. like about everyone else, Greg Cody has a podcast for which his son serves as producer. Greg blamed his wife for his failure to appear on your show last Wednesday. He then bet his son, who also works for Lebitard, that you would appear on the Cody podcast within one year. I wish I could find a bet on DraftKings or FanDuel because I have a feeling how that one is going to go. Yeah. I'm not doing That's it. long odds. Long <laughs> odds. From Ronnie Newmeyer, Tony, in high school, my family lived briefly on a high rise on Rockville Pike alongside the old driving range, you may recall. One day, my pals and I, possibly under the influence of an illegal substance, decided it would be funny to throw eggs out of our 15th floor window onto car roofs in the parking lot below. We then went to the driving range to hit some balls, and when we returned, we're walking towards the building. The resident manager angrily came striding out to confront us. My buddy shrank back behind me as she addressed us. I've been waiting for you. You're in a lot of trouble. Ready to admit nothing. I asked what the problem was. Oh, I think you know. I've had numerous reports of objects being thrown out of the 15th floor window. She seethed. Indignantly, I retorted, we didn't throw any eggs out of the windows. My friends nearly fell over laughing, and we were needless to say busted. Much scrubbing ensued. And here's a clue concerning the extra vehicles charged to you. Those trailers at the end of the block ain't going to license themselves. <laughs> good point. Joe Pearson in Indianapolis. I'm probably not good enough to even be considered a chop, but I've played many courses in the Gaylord area. Before I retired, I was in a group of guys that took a semi-regular golf trip from Indianapolis to northern Michigan. The Gaylord area is packed with great courses. The most famous courses in the area are part of the treetops resort. If you like elevation changes, these courses are for you. ESPN even used to have a uh, par 3 shootout at their 
three tops course. And then there's Garland Resort, a little southeast of Gaylord, where the Fountains course is all you can ask for. If you're willing to drive a little northeast, there's also Bay Harbor in Petoskey on the lake. We used to try to time our trip around Labor Day a little bit cooler than the middle of summer, although you run the risk of rain. But if you got booze and a decent cook in the group, who cares? Very nice to hear that. Well said. Sounds like a good day. Peter Jennings. Not that Peter Jennings. Mm. Huge thanks to Michael for the shout-out to the uh, Augusta National Women's Amateur and Wake Forest's own Rachel Keen. I think that's how it's pronounced. (coughs) K-U-E-J-N. The Augusta National Women's event is a remarkable, wonderful, incredibly exciting sporting event. The smiles and brilliant play of these golfers in this setting is beyond my ability to describe. Rachel Keen is a great player, but even better young person in every respect. Same with her mom. Brenda Corey Keene, as Michael said, also an All-American golfer at Wake Forest. I send you a photo of Rachel getting ready to putt at 16. My wife and I are captured in the background, and yes, I am so nervous I can barely breathe. You should definitely try and attend next year. This is lovely. Look at this. And News Channel 8 there. It's Peter Jennings and his wife. Oh, he's, Peter has turned away. Yes, because he's, nice so, he's so he's turned nervous. Away. Yeah, From Tim Ziegler oh, in ouch. Ann Arbor, Michigan. <laughs> it was so cool to hear Sansi speaking with J.J. Spawn at the conclusion of the Valero Open last week. J.J.'s the third cousin to all those Van Valkenburgs who have been riding in lately. And we couldn't be more proud celebrating his first PGA win in something like 147 starts. Well done, cuz. Falcons unite. What an honor for J.J. to play the Masters this week. I think he may have made the cut. I'm not certain. You know, so that's... And then it's, it's suck it, Andy and Chris and now Adam, too, of course. Um, Scott from Elon again. Chef Sasha Felixson of Foxtrot fame. Ask Michael. I don't know what Foxtrot don't is, know. but Michael will. Will tell you and any other dope that there is no such thing as sea salt because all salt in one way or another comes from the sea. Kosher salt, coarse ground salt, NACL, it all comes from the sea because you know it's salt water. Sea salt has to go. Bring back salt. <laughs> you know, that's good. Argument um, for old salt. Old salt. Yeah. I should have gotten to this before. Brandon Costello. She likes salt. I'm not a salt person. I believe that's what Lot said. (laughs) From Rick Lawrence in St. Petersburg, Florida. (laughs) Highest ratings ever if Tiger plays the Masters. Have you forgotten the glory days of ESPN when the network aired NHL All-Star arm wrestling? Come on, man. What are we even doing out here? You know, I'm Long Island born and bred eight months older than Tony, so that's good. Alex Lau in New York City. I brought a salad to work today. I didn't have enough chicken, so I cooked steak and used half chicken, half steak. Tasted fine. Yeah. Why wouldn't it taste fine? Sure. Thank you for the update, Alex. Alex, Why wouldn't it taste fine? From Jim Gerfin in Annapolis, Maryland. I just heard last Monday's podcast, the introduction of your new sponsor, the Electric Bike Company. Like many, I'm looking forward to you receiving the bike from them and lugging it to the beach and then trying to use it and sharing your experiences with us. (laughs) What does it plug into? Please hang on to this email. (laughs) After attempting this ridiculous feat, have Michael or even Carol, the bike is lightweight and folds in half for easy training. Transport, throw the bike in the trunk of your car. On the return trip to DC, get off Route 50 at exit 29 and drive to the Dunkin' Donuts Baskin Robin shop about a quarter mile from the highway. I'll meet you there, remove the bike from your car so you never have to see it again, and buy you a coffee ice cream to soothe your nerves. It's a win win for both of us. From Jonathan Scriven, formerly in Nice in France. He's right. back in America. I yes. believe that's nice. All this talk about cottage cheese, and what I find most fascinating is you put the stress on the word cottage, not cheese. Yeah, cottage cheese. Yeah. What do you say? Cottage cheese? Cottage cheese! (laughs) From Michael Perry. The Nats held the Cardinals to only four runs in an exhibition game, which is 25-run differential from the last (laughs) time they met. Maybe the Nats are rounding into shape. That's what we hope. And one more. From Keith in Saratoga Springs. Richard Justice thinks the Blue Jays will be in the World Series. That is great news. It's always a good thing to have a good team in the Midwest. (laughs) For Wilbon's geography. (laughs) 
If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear what? Look at the Michigan man. Look at the Michigan man.